0: All right, if you have a Bible, go with me to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16 is a big moment in uh, the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples because he's about to open up the lid on really who he was and why he came to the earth. There had been moments... There had been windows. The door had been cracked to them. But this is Jesus really opening up for them. Hey, boys, this is why I am here. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is what it says in verse 21. From, the time, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed And then on the third day, raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. Don't you love that? He basically just revealed, I am the Messiah, the Son of God, the promised one. And Peter's like, hey, come over here, buddy. Let me tell you actually how you should live your life. Don't you just love Peter? If you're ever feeling insecure, read about the life of Peter. If you ever feel like you say things you shouldn't say, Read about Peter, because Peter often found himself chewing on his big toe. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. That one must have stung. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of rebukes that you get sometimes from people. But being called Satan has got to be a special place of pain. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block for me. You don't have the mind on the concerns of God your mind is not on the way of heaven. Remember, there's a way of the world and there's a way of heaven. Romans 12, 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying, hey, your mind is on human concerns. Your mind is on the way of the world. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves have done. This moment that Jesus is having with his disciples, again, just demonstrates that there is a way of the world and there is a way of heaven. And Jesus is telling us through his response to Peter's desire to protect him, that the way of the world is It's to protect yourself, to remove yourself from hardship and suffering. But Jesus was also showing us the way of heaven. is that we are to surrender ourselves, to prefer those around us, to give all of who we are. Because emptying ourselves will actually lead to us finding who God has called us to be. Peter wanted to protect Jesus because Peter was a dude and people do not like hard. People don't like hard. Have you noticed the great lengths that you will go to at HEB to not walk an additional 30 feet? Right? You, You will loop in the parking lot for longer than it would take you to park in the back and just walk to the door. Have you noticed this? Like, we don't like hard. We don't do hard. You go to the airport, you don't even have to walk anymore at the airport. You can stand on a moving sidewalk. You can just stand there and you will find yourself where you need to go. Most of the things that we're longing to get in life are to make what? Life easier, right? Man, if I had that, man, life would be... Easier, Like my son watches these YouTube channels like crazy. And there's this one where this guy did the auto driving feature in his Tesla for 24 hours straight. Now, look, I'm all about safe driving and I'm sure robots can drive better than me. But is, is it that is our desire for self-driving car safety? No, no, no. Our desire is easy to, to get in the car and go to sleep, or watch a movie, because the human condition, human nature, does not drift towards difficulty. Human nature drifts towards easy. Humans, we don't drift towards sacrifice. No, we, the human condition, our mindset on the way of the world is to drift towards everything being simpler. To experience no pain, to have no challenge or difficulty, and we will pay an enormous amount of money, and we will inconvenience ourselves with the precious moments of time for the sake of something being. Easy. We know that Peter was so captivated by his human condition to self-protect that when he heard Jesus say, I have to go and suffer, that was the end of the conversation in Peter's mind. Peter didn't even hear the part of the conversation that to me, I would have had questions about. He didn't even hear Jesus say on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. I would have probably said, not like, yo, Jesus, come here, man, I'm going to keep you from suffering. I would have been like, can you take me into that third day part? Because that seems to me mind-blowing. But what happens is, is that we get so concerned about potentially experiencing pain that we miss the opportunity to experience resurrection life. I wish you just heard what I said. The invitation for Peter in this moment was to experience what happens on the backside of sacrifice, which is eternal life. But all he heard was, I have to go and suffer, be ridiculed, and then be killed. And so Peter was like, Jesus, I cannot allow that to happen to you because the pattern of the world is to run away from hard. And and Peter had his ear to the world. He didn't have his ear to heaven. And so he was blinded from seeing what Jesus was actually saying. Now, here's why I wanna start with this today because it's important that we understand that we are never going to drift towards preferring those around us. We're, We're not gonna drift towards sacrificing ourselves for anything. Every sacrifice that we do has got to be a conscious decision to fight against the human condition that Jesus called a stumbling block. Remember, Jesus was fully God and fully man. And he said no to everything that we seem to not be able to say no to. But it it does not mean that he was not tempted by the things that we are tempted by as well. It says in Hebrews 4.15, For we don't have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not... Sin. Now, this explains Jesus' harsh response to Peter of, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns, because he was tempted by that human concern to protect himself, to not walk into the pain of the sacrifice that was before him, he was tempted to remove himself from the pain that is coming, the hard that was coming because our hearts drift towards self-protection. They don't drift towards selfishness, selflessness. Our hearts drift towards self-protection. Jesus is saying, for if you wanna save your life, actually, You need to lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus, in the middle of him feeling this temptation to choose easy over hard, to choose no pain over pain, was making it very clear that if we don't intentionally point our life in the direction of giving our life away, we never will. We never will. Last week we talked about the iPhone and how the iPhone has changed everything in culture and it's eliminated a... A, 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 an experience in the human condition called boredom. Like, we, we're not bored anymore. Like, if you're in line at the DMV, we're no longer bored. We just watch a movie. We we scroll all of our boredom away, right? Like, the iPhone has changed everything, and the iPhone also has eliminated this very uh, pivotal part of my developmental life, which was being lost. <laughs> So Some of y'all don't even know what being lost feels like. You've never been lost. You don't know what lost is. Like, that is that is something that is gone in the human condition now. That, like, you could go to your friend's house, you can get turned around. You could get so lost, you don't even know how to ask for directions home. You know? They're like, give me a landmark. And you're like, I don't even know, man. Like, you give them a landmark, and they're like, dude, I've never heard of that before. And that's the deeper pit of of loss you know like i kind of miss that feeling of the uncertainty of am I going the right direction? Even when MapQuest came out, do you remember when MapQuest came out and you could print off the step-by-step, you know? And like, even as you're doing that, you're still having a little uncertainty. Until you see it, am I really gonna end up where I'm supposed to be? And you know what I'm saying? And then you didn't really have a cell phone. And so it's not like you could keep in contact with the other people. We all just had to hope and pray that we were going to the same place, you know? Like you made a plan a couple of days before. Isn't that crazy? Like, you you would be like, hey, we're going to go to dinner next week, and this is where we're going to go. And you'd print off your MapQuest thing. And that was a huge step forward from having the the atlas in your glove box, right? Like, I still remember that, like, where, where you would have to bust that thing out and, like, check, like, well, maybe I'm around this road and that road, you know? Like, that's gone, man. My kids will never have to read a map my, my kids will never know the feeling of being lost. But here's the thing. H- have you ever gotten a pin from someone and it didn't take you to where they said it was going to take you? Yeah, like I-, I have had multiple moments where I hear Siri say, you have arrived at your destination. And I'm like, I don't think I have. Right, like one time I went to a wedding. I've told this story before. I went to a wedding, and it took me into the middle of a cow pasture, dude. Like I'm on a dirt road, and it's like you have arrived at your destination. And I'm like, I just don't think this is where I'm supposed to be. Right? But here, but but can can we just take this into the into our souls for a minute? We're gonna end up where we put the pin. Where, where you put the pin is where you're going to end up going. And if you drop that pin in the wrong place, you will arrive at your destination and look around and go, I don't think this is where I want to be. And Jesus is, is opening that up for us when he says, if you want to save your life, actually, you need to lose it. The marker of... Of experience a full life in me, the pin of experiencing a full life in me, is actually when you set it on losing your life. Because if you set it on saving your life, you're going to get to the end of your life and go, I don't think that this is where I wanted to be. We see this happen all the time in culture, man, where people supposedly get all that they want, Wanted and realize that it's not actually what they needed. And so then they will spend the back half of their life pivoting all the decisions they made on the front half of their life, trying to find what they're looking for. Because if we don't set the marker in the right place, we're gonna hit where we're pointing, Let's make sure we're pointing in the right direction. It blows me away that Jesus, the living God, what tempted him to bail on his mission on earth was to self protect. It wasn't power, it wasn't lust, it wasn't greed. Those same things throughout Scripture seem to not faze him. There's not, it's not going around yelling at women, telling them to get away and cover themselves. Not one time. Jesus didn't seem to be tempted by money at all. He talked about money all the time because we're tempted by it. But he never told stories about how, oh, man, this is a stumbling block for me. The one time that Jesus says this is a stumbling block for me was to protect himself from giving all of himself. Jesus, how much more me and you? How much more me and you is our tendency going to be to make decisions to protect ourselves versus giving all of ourselves? Proverbs 11.25 says this, a generous person... Will prosper. It's one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. A generous person will prosper. I was in a talk one time and I heard this professor who was teaching, he's an African guy, was teaching actually at a school in Africa and he happened to be at Baylor doing like a professor exchange thing. And I was in a conversation with a lot of other students about. What does help look like in developing countries? Like, what's real, practical, tangible help that we can do to not go in and feel better about what we've done, but do things that will impact the society and and change lives, really? And I'll never forget this guy just in passing in a conversation about how we need to allow ourselves, even as we come in as rich Americans we need to allow them to be lavish towards us because the temptation would be like no 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 don't do that i know that's all you have please don't do it and the guy says it's actually the most harmful thing that you can do and then he said this he said i've never met a generous man who's poor and i was like yo that'll preach because it's biblical because a generous person always prospers. And he goes on and says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The practice of serving and being a good steward of what we've been given is the practice of living your life to refresh those who are around you. It is to live your life to refresh those who are around you. Look, this is why we say all the time that living generous is not about how much money you give. You can give a lot of money and be stingy. Generosity is how we live. Generosity will be reflected in our checkbook, but it's not defined by our checkbook. Generosity is is a position of our heart. It's, am I living to refresh those who are around me? And, and you can refresh people around you without giving them a dollar. Man, when I was dirt poor, I thought I got a, a, a pass out of being generous, generous, you know? Like, I'm like, dude, that's for the rich. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? More money, more problems. I don't have any money. That's not my problem. But generosity actually has nothing to do if I give a dollar or $5,000. Generosity has everything to do with the position of my heart. It's the position of my heart to refresh those who are around me, to prefer those who are around me, not just with my resources, but also with what I've been given to steward my talent, my gifting, my personality who God has been to me, if I am living open-handed, living to refresh those who are around me, the Bible says that I actually am gonna be refreshed. This practice of serving and being a good steward to what we've been given, what it does is it deepens in us that Jesus was right. That if we want to save our life, we're gonna lose it. But if we want to lose our lives, then we will actually find it. Because when we lose our life in Jesus, when we surrender all of ourselves to him and we live to refresh those who are around us, we will encounter the God who always has enough. Philippians 4.19 says that my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And if we dig to the root system of the pattern of the world to self-protect, what we will find is the root fear that we're gonna run out. That we're gonna run out. That's why... People that have a lot of money feel just as insecure about their future as people that don't have any. Why? Because, first of all, we fear that we're going to run out. So you can have five million dollars in the bank or one dollar in the bank, and the fear that will steal and kill and destroy your life can be the same. Isn't that amazing? Like, we think like, oh, no, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. I'd really love, I, I used to say, I'd really love, you know, people be like, man, it's so challenging to have a lot of resources. I'd be like, I'd love to experience that challenge. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I would love to feel that. I'd love to feel that pain of, of having too much. You know what I mean? Like, just one time, Lord, let me feel the pain of having a lot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that I think we've experienced the same things. Because it's not actually about at all how much we have. If we don't deal with that root that is driving us to protect ourselves versus give all that we have, this, this fear that we're going to run out of money, we're going to run out of capacity, this is a big one right now in culture. Like oh, I'm going to run out of me. I'm, I'm going I'm to run out of time. I, 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 I don't have enough of anything, so I need to protect the little things. Because we're fearful we're going to run out. We're fearful we're going to run out of time, capacity, money, resources, talent, ideas. And so we hoard them and we bury them and we keep them to ourselves. But Jesus spoke to this fear In Luke 6, verse 38, and he says, Give and it will be given to you. Oh, this is a good word, man. This is a good word. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's like a cocktail. That was a good joke. Even though y'all are sleeping at 9 o'clock, that was a dang good joke. Jesus over here talking about making martinis of your blessing and y'all reading right over it, okay? Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How much you give will determine how much you can receive. I tell you, if we live to refresh those around us, we will have all that we need. If you live from the place in your heart of, I have more than enough, then you will have more than enough. You will. You, you might not have all that you want, but you will have more than enough. You know, there have been moments in my life where I feel at the end of myself, burnt out, spent up, dried up. All that had been pressed down, shaken together, and poured into my lap had dried up. Have you ever been in a season like that? The temptation is to pull away. But the biblical actual admonition is to press in. This is big, man. And I... I want you to get this, because in culture right now, we have stepped away from giving of ourselves to those around us, and we prioritize ourselves. And so therefore, when we feel burnt up and burnt out, we think what we need to do is isolate when the Bible is actually telling us that if we refresh those around us, the refreshment we need will be given to us. So we don't need to pull away. We need to lean in. Look, I have found 100% of the time that when I feel stuck in my heart, there's a connection with my stuckness and my selfishness. 100% of the time that when I begin to lose my life, I then begin to find my life, that the refreshment that I'm craving is actually not hidden, it's in front of me and the faces of those around me that I can look to prefer over me. And serving those around you is not hard, man, it's super easy. Like, it's, it's, it's not a, a simple, it's not a difficult thing. It's a simple thing to put into practice, right? Because remember, the practice is alive in us, leads to transformation in us, right? So it's very simple practice for us to put in our lives and for it to be alive in us. All we have to do is let someone go before you in the grocery line. This is a very simple, practical thing. There's something, the how I try to operate in this is that every day I look to serve somebody in some way. And it could be little. It could be, it could be simple. Give somebody else the parking spot. Go up to someone and say, hey, I'll put your grocery basket away for you. Pick up the trash for your friends. Do something instead of somebody doing it for you. In the grocery line, be like, hey, go in front of me. Why do the little things matter? Because if we're not living daily in these little decisions to prefer those around us, these bigger decisions that are life-altering, time-consuming opportunities to prefer others and to serve others, we won't even touch them. Because, remember, it's not about the mechanics, it's about the purpose, And the inverse can happen. You can be like, yo, I serve in kids. I checked off my box. I served in kids this month. I did my serving deal. Now I can operate in the way of the world and live to protect what I have versus living open-handed to refresh those who are around me. That's not practicing the practice of serving in stewardship. That's just checking the box, the mechanics of serving. And so... Yes, the big things are big, serving in kids, serving at a soup kitchen during the week, serving your neighbor, making them food. Those things that take more time are mega important, but those aren't the only ways that we prefer others. We need to live our life in a rhythm of preferring others, of saying, if there's a way for me to bless people who are around me, I want to take that road. Even if it's little, even if it's small, I want to take the road of preferring those around me, doing something to refresh them and trusting that as I do that, God will refresh me. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 20, verse 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to first whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of man did not come to serve but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, look, can I speak to everybody in this room who is not in full-time ministry? You don't have to fight for your next position at your company. You need to serve your competition at your company. You know how powerful that would be? If you're not looking to to squirrel and to, to try to position yourself, but you actually seek to position them. Because when we refresh others, God will refresh us. I want to close today with the story in Matthew 25 is, again, uh, what Jesus is doing here is He's telling a series of stories for us to help us see the way of heaven in light of the pattern of the world that we live in. And I, I love this series of stories. Jesus starts almost all of them the same way by saying the kingdom of heaven is like... And he's describing to those who were listening that the way of heaven looks like this, even though the way of the world is telling you, you need to do this. And it says this in verse 14 again. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to another one, and each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold uh, gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought another five Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained you five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came and said, master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But the man who received one bag of gold said, master, I knew you to be a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put money in the deposit with the bankers. So that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take this bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags forever." has will be given more and they will have an abundance but whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth jesus tells this very intense story to help us see that god has given all of us something to steward And how we steward it will be dependent upon how we see our master in heaven. If we don't see God rightly, we won't steward the gifts he's given us rightly. But when we see him as who he is, the God who is always refreshing those who refresh others the God who is always there to give to the measure that we have given. We will experience abundance, not just with our resources, but abundance in our lives. Remember, we don't conform to the pattern of the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Pattern of the world is telling us, hide, protect, and keep what you have. And the way of heaven is telling us, give all that you have to refresh those who are around you. Isn't it amazing that if we hide what we have, We don't just lose, the people around us lose. We don't just miss out, the people around us miss out. But when we give, when we are obedient to refresh those who are around us, and we experience the refreshment of God, it will fuel us then to give more. This is how we're going to be changed. This is how we're going to not conform to the pattern of the world which says self-protect, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind and we can start seeing the way of heaven so that we can test and approve God's good and perfect will for our lives. We have to look to serve those around us. We have to be good stewards of what God has entrusted us with. And as we do that, we will be made new amen so here's our practice this week very simple i want you to serve somebody every day can you do that i want you to prefer somebody in some way every day this week it could be little it can be big but again it's the purpose it's not the what it's what it does And here's the other challenge. The other challenge is if you're not on a serve team, you're missing out and we're missing out. If you're not serving here at church, you're not seeing the full picture of who we are. Because here you're gonna hear us say a lot, serving is our privilege. Why? Because it's better to give than to receive. So you got one of these when you walked in or you saw it on the chair next to you. And it's really simple. You can fill it out. You can find a team to jump in on. You're not signing up. You're getting more information right now. So you're like, I don't know what it means when it just says Antioch Youth. Just check it and we'll give you information. Or you can just scan that QR code right there. It'll take you right to the website. You can do the same thing online. It's super easy. So two challenges, if you're not serving, start and serve somebody in some way every day. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you have invited us into living our lives to refresh those around us. And Lord, we're asking that right now that you would give us courage to lean in and not pull away. Lord, every heart that's overwhelmed and burdened with just with the pace of life and the the weight of relationship and the, the, the fear of what is and isn't happening in their life. God, I'm asking for courage right now to lean in to refresh those around them so that they too can be refreshed. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship together.